Man, and it's awesome, man. It's been a great day already. So, uh, man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord just to worship? Woo, it has been good. It's been great. So, today, if you're joining us online, we're so glad you're a part of it. But we, we've already had an incredible day. We've had an incredible weekend. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a ton of men in here last night worshiping and uh, had a great word, great challenge for them. And, uh, and those men are back. A lot of those men are back today serving and helping in some capacity. And we just appreciate you guys. But, but uh, today, we've got a special guest speaker as we step into this second week. And uh, it's uh, Pastor Ken Gagan. He has been with us before. He's from up in North Alabama. And uh, anyway, Pastor Andre was supposed to have been here today, but Andre has still not been able to get uh, his uh, visa. And so Ken, uh, you know, said, you're getting an upgrade today. Now, Ken didn't say that. I said that. But uh, getting an upgrade today. So Ken is going to step in and uh, be the guy today. And so uh, looking forward. It's already been, like I said, an incredible day. And, uh, and we believe that God has got something special for you. And I believe there's somebody here today that needs to hear the gospel, that's going to put their faith in Christ, maybe somebody watching online. And uh, we're just praying for God to do something special. But before Ken comes up, uh, I want to I show you a video that Pastor Andre sent us. And if you will, check this out. This is uh, just a, a little update on where he's at and what God's been doing in his life. So check this out. Pastor Mike, Auntie Lori, a big greeting from South Africa. To everybody at Journey Church, I'm making this video to say that I would have probably been preaching uh, this morning with you guys or at your congregation, but due to the delay of my visa, I am not there and Pastor Ken Gallion is. I want to make the video to tell you a beautiful story. If my visa was on time, I would not have met a 13-year-old girl named Elaine that sparked the beginning of an orphanage being built here at Africa for Jesus in South Africa. I met this young girl and the Lord laid on my heart and reminded me of a sketch that my wife did in 2012. And on that sketch, there was a little building called Orphanage. We have built everything on that sketch except that one building. And when I met this 13-year-old girl and I heard her story and I heard the atrocious things that she had been through in the last three years, the Lord waited heavily on our hearts to build this building to get it done. And as I sit here now, the concrete mixer is on in the background. Five bedrooms completed. The apartment for the first couple that will be caring for these children. That's all done. The patio has been done the septic tank has been sunk if I were already in the States none of this would have happened which reminds me of the fact that God's timing is not our timing and that he is sovereign and that he is supremely in control Pastor Mike to you, your wife to the congregation of Journey Church I want to say thank you because you guys support us every month and you have share in this little orphanage that we're busy building right now not only that, even the video equipment that we're filming this on, you have helped buy through Call to Africa, Pastor Ken Gallion. Uncle Mike, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for coming to South Africa, for meeting me, for meeting our ministry, seeing what we do here, and thanking you for being mission-minded. Thank you. Thank you for that. And to the congregation of Journey Church, I hope to meet you soon. I'm sitting here in my Chick-fil-A hat. And I've never tasted a Chick-fil-A sandwich before. So pray with me that my visa comes and that I'll get to meet you soon and that we can continue walking this path with you guys forward. 
love that South African accent. I've just got the redneck accent from Arab, Alabama. But uh, I may be second fiddle this morning, but at least I'm fiddling. Amen. We want to continue the series that Pastor Mike began last week about the good life. You know, as we consider the good life, we all have this maybe vision in our mind of what we think that might look like. But I think as we walk through this life trying to fulfill that longing in our heart, we come to a conclusion uh, best described by me as uh, the theme song from my high school, Johnson High School, was uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction from the Rolling Stones. You see, you may try it with everything in this world that has to offer, but there will still be a longing inside. And so we want to go to the Creator, the One who created us, the One who gave us life, and we want to consider what He says is the key to the good life. And this morning in specific, we want to consider the good life, the cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Now, uh, there's so much in this. I prayed. I just want to share with you, buckle up. Because we got a lot to cover. And so if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Second Corinthians chapter 9, I think you may have it in your bulletin or whatever. But we want to begin reading here. And just a little background before we get into the passage. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and encouraging them to get their missional offering together for the poor Christians in Judah. And basically, he shares the type of heart that gets God's attention, and thereby the good life, we believe, is based on inclusive of being a cheerful giver. We'll begin reading here in verses 6 through 15. It says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. Mm. As each one decided in his heart. So there's something that goes on in our heart in the preparation of our offering that can either get God's attention and inclusive of Him and thereby we begin to live, I believe, The best life. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. How many would like to have that? Man, I want all of the grace of God to abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, man, that is awesome. I want that. And it is written, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There's a ripple effect. 
if you would. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then he ends with this. Thanks be unto God for His inexpressible gift. Oh, my soul. The good life. The cheerful giver. First, I want us to consider you can enjoy the good life when God reacts to your giving and the gift. This is best explained, in my opinion, the very first offering recorded in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. Look at this. This is so cool. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Doesn't really, nothing special. Just. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions thereof. So you see, Cain just brought fruit of the ground, but Abel... It looks like there was something going on in his heart. I want you to notice what happened. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. God in heaven noticed something about the way that Abel gave that got God's attention. Oh, man. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain and Abel. Now, notice this. Cain, when he offered, he was a farmer. And so it was time for an offering. He, like maybe uh, in most of our churches, the offering plate's coming around. Don't want the guy next to me to think I'm selfish or stingy. Let me put something in there. And so he just puts anything. Nothing really special about that. But when Abel offered his offering, he was a shepherd. And you can see that it said that he got the firstborn of the flock. And so what he's doing is just I have this picture in my mind of Abel gathering the firstborn. He said, oh, this is, this is perfect. And he said, no, this one's better. And so he, he gets the firstborn, and then he looks among the firstborn, the fat thereof. In other words, he was getting the best of the best to offer God. And when the Bible says he had respect, God had respect for his offering, it means to gaze at. It means as looking around in amazement. Can you see God? I, I, I just... Can't imagine God amazed, but that's what it's a picture of. Regard, to turn, inspect, consider, compassionate. This is what this is a picture of. It's as if God Himself is walking through heaven 
And all of a sudden, something going on down here causes him to turn the direction he's going. And he said, wait! Check it out. There's a verse of Scripture in there. It says, may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Oh, my soul. In the midst of this God having respect for the offering of, of Abel, God, God in the offering. And I can tell you, when God is glorified, you'll be satisfied. You want to live the good life, then you want to live the life of a cheerful giver. Mm. Before we move on, I just want to deal with one thing. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. The picture of that word love means he literally dotes over. When my second grandchild, first granddaughter was born, her name is Gracie. I was trying to get a look at my granddaughter, but her father was standing in the window looking at Gracie and he would not let me get by to see Gracie. He was doting over Gracie. I was get out of the way. He wouldn't get out of the way. He was doting over his daughter. What happens in the midst of you being a cheerful giver as you extend yourself, as you express your love for God because of who He is and what He's done, He loves, He dotes over a cheerful giver. So I want to tell you, you can experience, you can enjoy the good life at being a cheerful giver. You also can enjoy it when the giver gets lost in the offering. Now, this is awesome. This is 2 Corinthians 8. The Apostle Paul is sharing a testimony with the church at Corinth, and he's using what happened among the Macedonian Christians to encourage them. It's like he's saying, i got to tell you what happened in Macedonia. You're not going to believe it. He said, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia, if you remember, the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey, he is determined to carry the gospel to Asia, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. And so he ended up spending the night in a place called Troas, and he saw in a dream, in a vision, a man from Macedonia saying, Come over and help us. And as Luke records in Acts chapter 16, this is a turning of the gospel. Just as if God says, no, you're not going to Asia. You're going to Macedonia, which is modern day Europe. And if this don't excite you, let me tell you how it excites me. This is how we in America receive the gospel. I I, I feel a preach coming on. says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, before we get there, I want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm so excited, I want to jump ahead. But in this passage, the Scripture infers that Paul thought these people were too poor 
to even ask them to get in on the offering. Check it out. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Now, how do you give beyond your means? I know we can spend beyond our means. Hello? Anybody there? Come on. Just of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. Can you imagine? During the first service, I said, Mike, can you imagine if in the middle of the service or maybe in the middle of the praise, here we are at Journey Church, somebody says, time out! I must express my love for Jesus. Pastor, we got to take an offering. I want to tell you something. It's like, as pastors and preachers, we get a bad rap that we're always asking for money. If that's your view of your pastor, I'm telling you, you're looking too low. I, I had a, 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 when I was a brand new believer at, and just excited, I went even went back when my daddy, at six years old, taught me how to give. He said, your allowance is six bucks a week if you do your chores. And right off the top, you give the first part to God. And my wife and I were eating with this uh, a pastor from another denomination. And, and while we're out there waiting on the barbecue to, to finish, he, he said, you're one of those tithers, aren't you? And I, I was so naive as a new believer. I said... I just thought everybody that's born again automatically tithes. I just thought, wow. I just thought that was just part of the deal. I just thought, how can you not? I mean, everything you got comes from him. But here's what they did. They said, they begged us. We've heard there's an offering, pastor. We want to get in on it. I want to tell you something, that's been happening among you folks, and it's affected my life and the folks across the pond in Africa, and I'll tell you about it in just a moment. It says, to take favor of relief of the saints. You see, the greatest thing that we've got as believers is the church, because we love and care for each other. It says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first... To the Lord, then by the will of God to us. This preacher told me as a new believer, he said, I'm not going to give because I can't trust him with the money. I said, wow, I've never even thought about it that way. I just thought I was giving to God and I'll let him take care of it. Man, that's freedom. When you give yourself to God, you understand everything I got, anything I got, the breath in my life, the Ability to think, or the lack thereof, or the hair on your head, or the lack thereof. It's all from Him. Maybe you've forgotten how good it is to be saved. I I can remember in those early days as a new believer, and it wasn't long after accepting the Lord that for the first time in my life, I lost my job. I got, I got laid off. And I, I remember on December 16th, I left and I, I didn't see it coming. And I left the, the workplace. I'd never been without a job. And I went home and I told my wife, I said, honey, I don't have a job anymore. I, I got laid off. And my little boys were, were, were two and three. And my daughter was four years older than that. And, and, and so when I was in there 
And I was telling my wife, a tear rolled down her face. And then I left the room and I went to explain to my daughter that daddy didn't have a job anymore. And so as I'm sitting in there and I'm telling my daughter, Amy, I said, Daddy got laid off today. About that time, Ray and Clint, little boys, bust in. Daddy got fired. I said, no, I didn't. I got laid off. Try to explain to a two and three year old the difference between laid off and fired. But during those early days, that was some of the sweetest times in our life. And after losing my job, I started cutting grass and Renata started babysitting. It was the craziest, most wonderful time of our lives. And I remember I had 40 bucks on Sunday. And I was just so excited about what God had done for me. I put that 40 bucks in the offer. Now, sitting in between me and my wife were my two boys and my daughter over here. When I put that 40 bucks in there, my wife looks down. (laughs) What are you doing? She knew that was the last 40 bucks we had. I was just in. And then she said, I need some makeup. (laughs) We may not get groceries, but we got to have some makeup. Priorities, right, guys? And I want to tell you, before that day was over, God opened up the windows of heaven, and I can't explain it. But God has a way of taking care of cheerful givers. You see, here's the thing that we we look in this life for happiness and contentment and peace. I was watching Tim Tebow on Fox News the other day and he was talking about teenage young girls that more than half of them are depressed and lonely. And he said what they don't need is more friends. What they need is to find their purpose in Jesus Christ. He said because when you find your purpose, then you understand your value comes from God and that's where that's where the loneliness goes away is when you understand the God of the universe loves me so much that he laid his life down for me how can I not express my love for him how do you get lost in the offering We don't know the widow's name, do we? We just know she is a widow, and we know what she gave. We don't know the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. All we know is whatever he had in his hands, he got it into Jesus' hands. And you know what I noticed about the little boy that had five loaves and two fish when they fed the 5,000 men, and not to mention the women and children that were there, but the 5,000 men... It said after they fed them from the five loaves and two fish, there were 12 baskets left over. Did you notice that? There were more leftovers than what they started with. Can I suggest, want to live a good life? Get lost in the offering. Do what the Macedonians did. Give yourself first. Then you understand whatever you got is His and you'll be free from the trap of this world of constantly trying to find something to make me happy. Did I tell you all I feel a preach coming on? It says, and He sat down opposite the treasury. Now Jesus is watching. This is when the widow gives the offering. And He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Now, in the tabernacle, when they brought, they had this big brass horn receptacle 
which they would throw these coins in. And if you threw a lot of coins in, man, it'd make a lot of noise. And people in the temple and people outside, wow, did you see what Daddy Warbucks gave today? Notice what Jesus noticed. And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make up equivalent to one penny. We still save pennies at my house, do you all? (laughs) But anyway, check this out. And he called his disciples and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Now get the picture. Jesus is just sitting over to the side watching people give. Not impressed with Daddy Warbucks. But when the widow slips in and puts her two little coins in, he said, boys, did you see what she did? What widow? We didn't see no widow. It says, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. You want to know how you get lost in the offering? If you were playing Texas Hold'em, you would say, I'm all in. But we're not playing Texas Hold'em. We're not playing games. This is life and death. And if you and I really want to experience and enjoy the good life, we will never find it living a life of selfishness. Selfishness and happiness do not coexist. But when you understand that I'm putting my future, I'm betting on God everything I got because anything I have has come from Him. I really believe you'll experience the good life. Lastly, we enjoy the good life when others recognize the grace of God upon your life and they begin to praise Him. Wow. i got to tell you, it's been a crazy week. Monday, my daughter, single mom, three children, my oldest grandson's the one. If you were here in June when I was here, showed you a picture of him. He had the AVN, the brain bleed, Carter Joseph, right-hand side of his body is paralyzed. And on Monday, when my daughter came home, she works three jobs. She's a single mom. There was an eviction notice on the door of her apartment. Five years she'd been living there, never been late one time. On a rent payment. Listen, I used to have a rental house. I would die to have a renter like her. But she's got an eviction notice. Well, you need to know this about my wife. My wife was ready to go to war. Said, I don't know what you plan to do, Ken, but I might call Channel 19 to get a camera down there and uh, I'm going to get a picket sign up and I'm going to go walk right outside of that landlord's office and we're going to war. I said, I'll handle it, baby. I'll call in the infantry when we really need some heavy artillery. 
So I just began to study my rights and the laws, and I just had a few questions. And so I was on my way out the door on Thursday, and my daughter called said, Daddy, you're not going to believe. Well, on Monday when we got the news, my wife said, what are we going to do? I said, baby, I don't know, but somehow, someway, God's up to something here. And so we've got to say, God, you didn't bring us this far to drop us, and this ain't the end of the world. We're not in Ukraine running for our lives. So let's keep this in perspective, and let's talk to the Lord about this. So I began to call my friends from around the world. I said, now, you people ask me to pray for you all all the time, and I do. I'm needing you to pray for my daughter. Would you pray for her? This is on Monday. On Thursday, I'm heading out the door. I got my list of questions. I'm going to go sit down with my daughter. I'm going to listen to the landlord. But I got a few questions for her that I want some answers to, if possible, before we go to war. My daughter said, you're not going to believe it, Daddy. The landlord called 10 minutes ago, and she said she made a mistake. That that note doesn't mean I'm being evicted. I said, oh, glory to God. One of my best friends or one of my good friends from Uganda, a woman who is a pastor's wife named Josephine Wako. I call her Mama Josephine. I eat at her table when I'm there. I sleep in their home when I'm there. I always, they always treat me like I'm better or more special than them, and I'm not. But she says, Pastor, I've got a question for you. Because you see, just the day before, God put something in my hand for one of her sons who was going to school that they were kicking him out of school because he hadn't paid his school fees. And so we were able to send something to take care of that need. And she said, Pastor, I've got a question. I praise God with you for the miracle, but Can I ask you something? Why is it you helped me with my need when your daughter has a need? I said, oh, Mama Josephine, first of all, God has taken care of my daughter. It's all right. God did a miracle, okay? My wife didn't have to go to war. Thank God. You need to know there are people still alive today because me and my wife are saved, okay? You figure that out, all right? I said, Mama Josephine, let me try to explain it to you this way. We believe that Matthew 6.33 thing, that seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added on the backside. You see, the problem with us is we're looking for the good life trying to, let me, I got to pay GMAC, I got to pay the house payment, I got to pay the rent, and if there's anything left over, let me throw a little something in there God's way. I don't know what kind of God you serve, but until you put Him first, He ain't going to show up. He ain't going to have respect on your offering. And let me just go ahead and recommend to you, keep what you think is your money and go ahead and be miserable. 
I said, Mama Josephine, we believe it's only because we have postured ourselves to be a channel of God's blessings that God adds on the backside. He knows what I need before I need it. He knows how to take care of an eviction notice. And then I went to the gas pump. (laughs) My wife drives a special needs school bus and one of her girlfriends drives another bus and her and my wife was having a conversation about this whole situation. A little girl is six years old and they just got to thinking. They said, let's slap Biden for Putin. Some of y'all will get that about next week. Some of y'all's halo's a little too tight, huh? If a six-year-old can figure that out. Now listen, we got to stop complaining and whining about the circumstances. What is it we even do in our churches? The Lord says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that He might send forth labors. What we'll do is we'll complain or we'll cast blame. But if we'd pray, God says He'll send forth labors into the harvest. You see, you've got to keep things in perspective. You know what? I believe if you and I would read our Bibles, we would understand that what's happening in our world is all been written out. And really, it shouldn't be a surprise. The best I can figure this thing out, if you look at the Bible and you look at the world, you can say either one or two things is about to happen. Either God's fixing to wrap this whole thing up, new heaven, new earth. Or we're about to see a worldwide revival. And I'm okay with either. It's all good. If you're a child of the King, it's all good. When others recognize the grace upon your life and they begin to praise Him. He who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I was sitting in a missions conference last week and church planners were preaching to me and I was having a conversation with God while they were preaching to me and I was saying, God, I'm called to Africa. That's my focus. And God said to me, not audibly, it was louder than that. He says, just because you're focused on Africa does not negate your responsibility to be engaged in everything around the world. said, well, let me not get ahead of myself. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. <clears throat> By their approval of this service, they glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be unto God for His inexpressible gift. Now, check this out. Mary anoints Jesus. 
This is a picture of when your offering causes others to praise me. So now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Wow, how many of y'all, hey, where are you going now? I'm going down to Simon the lepers. We're hanging out at Simon the lepers. I just want to tell you, if he was a leper and the Lord showed up, he ain't a leper no more, okay? It just, that's what he was. He ain't that no more. You know, also, if you read your Bible, uh, Lazarus was there, and you remember that he was dead, and now he's alive. So it was a crowd in there. It was a crazy bunch of people. And it says a woman came up to him with an alabaster flax, a very expensive ointment. Scholars believe it was this ointment was equivalent to a year's salary, about forty-five, forty-eight thousand. Maybe y'all make a whole lot more money than that. I don't. But she was taking the most expensive thing she had, and she didn't care about the meeting and who was there. She said, I must express my love for my king. I must express my love for Jesus. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Wow, that sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Wow, we could have given to the poor. But let me tell you something. There is a transaction that you may not know about that if your giving is to people or to a church and not to him, then you're living on a different level. And if you want to experience the good life of the cheerful giver, then you give in such a way as the priorities in your life say, in my living and my giving and my serving, you are the priority, not everything else. And only until we get Him at the proper place. But let me encourage us, this may not encourage you, the disciples, when they saw it, were indignant. Not everybody's going to pat you on the back if you do what is pleasing to God. Matter of fact, most folks going to think you weird. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. But Jesus, this is... Can I just say before I get there, if you please Jesus, you will please anyone who has a right to be pleased. I did not say you'll please everyone. Matter of fact, if you live for Jesus, you can expect some indignant folks to criticize you. There is a set of train tracks that Henry Blackerby calls the train tracks that let you know if you're in the middle of God's will. On this side, there are folk that would not know the will of God if it hit them in the head. They will be against you. There are folk over here that know and love and affirm the will of God. And they'll say, you're right on track. But these will say, you are weird and I'm indignant about it. Press on. Please Jesus. And you'll please anyone who has a right to be pleased. He said, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Wow. Aren't you glad they didn't do an opinion poll? It says, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for my burial. How did she know? 
It doesn't say she knew. But all she knew is at that time she didn't care what anyone said, didn't care what anyone thought. She just said, I've got to express my love for Jesus. He has forgiven me of everything. No one can do for me what he did. Before Jesus went to the cross, she anointed him for the burial. So can you imagine, after he resurrected from the dead, he still smelled like that perfume that was anointed on him. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? When she poured that perfume, what it did is it caused every eye in the room to focus on Jesus. And that is the goal of our life. In our living, giving, and serving, the goal is not to draw attention to us, not to pat us on the back, but that... Out of obedience to Him, we can draw attention of the world to Him. Now look at this. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow. In Uganda they say, Banangi. Banangi means wow. Wow! Now, I don't know if God said it's going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world. I guess people in Ukraine know about her. We in America, if you've never heard this before, guess what? It's just been proclaimed to you. All right? And as best I know, the 14 countries that we're in in Africa, it has been proclaimed in every one of those countries. And the Lord said throughout the whole world, so it's throughout the whole world. How? Can one man or woman or one church make a ripple effect that draws attention to Jesus throughout the whole world? All I can tell you is, if you start valuing God the way He is valuable and what He's done for us, it will make a change. You know what that is? Medical clinic... In Nkoni, Uganda. Some of y'all don't even know. Y'all started that. Y'all gave the first money that started a ripple effect in four to six other partners of our ministry that this was beginning, this building was beginning in November. It is now coming to completion. Everyone that comes through that medical clinic will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys, you don't realize it. You may say, well, I didn't get in on it. It ain't too late. You still want some of it? There's plenty out there. You know what this is? Every day about lunchtime, I get a knot in my gut. This is the border of Ukraine, bordering with Romania. My friend, a church planter in Romania, Horatio and Gina Palau. The last country that I went to outside of Africa on international missions, I went to Romania and I met Gina and Horatio. 
And I said, God, don't cut off another piece of my heart somewhere else. I just want to go get to done, do whatever, share the gospel, get out of there. I'm telling you, these people got my heart. I gave them my sound system. I gave them my iPod. I gave them every bit of money I had, whatever. I just said, man. They live about an hour and a half, two hours from the border. And so when the war broke out, they started going to the border to minister to the refugees. He said 10 days ago, this is what he told me. He said, his, I call him Emmanuel. His name is Horatio Emmanuel Palao. Emmanuel's the only one I can properly enunciate. And I said, what's going on? He said, this was 10 days ago. He said, the Ukrainians are coming across the border of Romania at a 5,000 per hour. And he said, these are the comments from the people. He said, our government is not doing anything. He said, 80 to 90% of what's happening is the Christians and the non-profits are here to minister to the people that are desperately running for their lives. And this is what he told me. I've got it on my text. If you want to see it, I'll show it to you. He said, people are saying, we see God in you. He told me, he said, even the Muslims that are coming across the border from Ukraine into Romania, he said, we see God in you people and we understand it's the Christian God. Oh, hallelujah. Sitting in that missions conference and God speaking to me, uh, I said, oh God, I can't negate my responsibility for the rest of the world. And so I began to pray. I, I've been so burdened about Ukraine. I pick up the phone. I call my pastor. I said, Pastor, we've we got to do something. I'm so sick and tired of the inactivity of our country's leadership. We've got to find a way. And so we remembered that Gina and Horatio were there ministering. And so we began to send them money. And then the latest request when I contacted him, he said, Yes, we've already gone through the first 5,000 you sent, and we ministered to about 100 people. We helped buy plane tickets. We helped get them to other places in safety and, and, and clothes. And this week they're buying washing machines so they can clean their clothes. Many of them hadn't had showers in two to three weeks. And he said the need this week is for us to build bunk beds because the floor is too cold. We can't put the people on the floor anymore. I said, Pastor, we've got to help him. He said, let me get the elders together. And I said, Pastor, if you don't mind, please don't let this offend you. I'm going to talk to my circle of influence. I'm going to talk to my support base. And we may be called to Africa, but we're going to find a way of getting involved in Ukraine. And so sitting at that church growth con conference this weekend, God began to lay on my heart. There were five church planners Two from Montana, one from New York, two from Huntsville, Alabama. And I just began to start writing checks. I said, okay, yes, Lord, whatever you say. I said, I can't negate my responsibility, but I can get in on it. The next day I went to the mailbox and there was a, one of the largest gifts I've ever received. And he said, buy a motorcycle for Festo, a pastor that Mike and Lori have been supporting on and off for years in Uganda. And he said, help the people in Ukraine. We were able to send that $6,000 to help build bunk beds in Romania. And now this week, our pastor announced over 
Facebook and, and, and over uh, the media. It says, we as a church for the next seven days, beginning today, we are encouraging our church and our community. We're going to take an offering specifically for the people of Ukraine because we can no longer go to bed at night knowing and wondering how many will perish tonight. Hallelujah. This is Pastor Zachariah. It's another thing you guys have got in on. When I was here in June, you gave me resources. Pastor Zachariah, he is a soul-winning fanatic. He was preaching the gospel in Tanzania. He's from Uganda. He's over 250 churches in Uganda, but his burning desire was to reach the Muslims in Tanzania. He got to the border. He ran out of money. I called our circle of influence. They helped us. We got him across the border. And then you guys helped provide money every day for a month for me to send a team of 24 so they could keep sharing the gospel. And this is what Pastor Zach, and he sent me to tell you. He said, Pastor Ken, I don't have words. I don't have words to properly express my thanks. But I've asked God to put the souls on your account. Journey. I don't have words. I don't have words. This is this week. He started preaching crusades in Uganda this week. As soon as the, the COVID restrictions came down, he said, we've got to go while there's an open door. This week, 800 souls came to Christ and He baptized 250 of them. You guys, you guys may not realize it, but you're having a ripple effect around the world. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Posture yourself in the direction of being a cheerful giver. Grumble, if you will, at the gas pump. Blame who you want for all the situation. But I'm telling you, God's still good. He's still good. He's still good. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Either it's true or God's a liar. And He's not a liar. He can't lie. Satan is a liar. He's the father of all lies. We're going to wrap this thing up. I know you folks overslept because of the time change. You're ready to go home. There's some of you in this building today who say, oh, he's just asking for money. Please, please, you missed it. It's just flown right over your head. There's some of you here today that need to place yourself in the offering. You need to say, I am giving myself to Jesus. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. If God is speaking to you, not, not Ken Gallion, I can't save anyone. I'm a beggar that's found bread trying to tell others where to find it. And I've found life in Jesus Christ. And it's a good life. It's a good life.
the good life. And it's not about what I want or what I think. It's about what He says and about me rearranging my life with what He wants. I've found I've lost myself in the offering and it's good. I don't care if anybody knows my name, but oh, let me be a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Let me be a widow woman with two mites. Let it be known that he gave himself away. And Jesus says it this way, and I'll wrap this thing up. He said, if a man or woman would lose his life for my sake, he'll find life. You looking for the good life? been right here in front of you the whole time. Jesus Christ died for us. And if you'd give Him your life, your sins will be forgiven. And you'll move from rags to royalty. You'll be a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm a child of the king. You say, well, you don't look like much. It's all right. It ain't about what I look like. It's about my father in heaven. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads? Heads bowed. If you wouldn't mind, sir, ma'am, just close your eyes. This is about you and the Lord. It's about me and the Lord. He knows everything about me. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm telling you, there's plenty of ugly there. And I'm amazed He still loves me. And He loves you so much that He laid down His life for you so that you can experience the good life, the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10. If you're not saved, then today is the day of salvation, and now is the appointed time. Today, if you hear His voice, if God, through His Spirit, by His Word, is speaking to you to be saved, you realize you're not, today's your day and now's your time. You'll say, oh, I'll get around to it. There's never promised another moment like this one. All you've got is right now where your feet are. And if you're here, if you're watching online, or if you're standing in this room, if God has spoken to you, don't say no. If you'd like to receive me, if you'd like to give your life to Christ today, if you'd like to be saved, just simply you can pray a prayer from your heart to God's heart. It's only words unless you mean it. From your heart to his heart. Lord Jesus, that's right, just Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried and on the third day you rose again. That only by my faith in you, only by me trusting you alone, I don't have anything to offer you, God, that you haven't given me. So I just give myself today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. From chest to chest. From aisle to aisle. Your Holy Spirit would move on this place. 
And that today, for some in this room, they would say, I give my life to Jesus. If that is your desire, in just a moment, when we allow an altar call, you can either make yourself a way to the prayer room in the back. There'll be a prayer team back there to meet you. Or you can come to the altar and you can just kneel here and somebody will come and pray with you. For others, you know you're saved, but maybe God has just kind of caught you where you're at. Maybe you had a week kind of like mine. and Maybe you just needed to refocus and just reprioritize and say, God, you know, I've just kind of put you behind everything else and I'm wondering why it is that I'm miserable. And I see today the good life can only be enjoyed as I'm a cheerful giver. You see what's in my heart? You know you know. So, Father, today, for us, in this room, online, wherever, today, for this world to praise You, let it begin in this room. Let it begin here with us. Father, in the name of Jesus, so that You might be glorified, we praise You. In Jesus' name, amen.